0: What's up, everybody? Welcome into our first ever episode of Meta Minds Podcast. I'm your host, Shiva, joined by my esteemed colleague, uh, Emotional. Uh, Mo, do you want to go ahead and give everyone an introduction?
1: Sure. What's up, everybody? My name is Mo, or Emotional, Mr. Emotional. Uh, I played card games now for nine years, almost a whole decade now. It's kind of crazy. Uh, mostly started with Magic the Gathering, uh, moved to Legends of Runeterra once that launched. And that's where I found most of my success and where I started pumping out YouTube videos and content creation. That's where most of people probably know me from, is Legends of Runeterra. And now I've kind of moved my shift, uh, my focus over to Pokemon. So I've been around the block for CCGs. I've played in, you know, world championships. I've won majors, tens of thousands of dollars. So I'm just trying to share all the knowledge that I get from card games to all of you guys.
0: Awesome. Awesome. And um, yeah, for those of you who don't know me, uh, my name's Shiva and similar to Mo, I've been playing card games for about 10 years. Also started in Magic the Gathering, which is actually how I met Mo. And uh, played that for a few years. Um, then also went over to Legends of Runeterra. Uh, and now most recently have been playing Marvel Snap and also just completed the uh, self-titled Ultimate CCG Challenge where I hit uh, the highest rank possible in Hearthstone, Snap, and... LOR, all in one month. Uh, So yeah, I've been playing card games for a long time and excited to to just share knowledge with everybody and help everyone level their game up. So that's the goal of this podcast. Uh, So if you're joining us, it's our first ever episode. And that's what we're trying to do here with Metaminds. We are going to just talk about concepts across different card games. Um, The concepts that we're going to talk about Kind of transcend one particular game and apply to all card games uh obviously we'll pull examples from different games that we've played but uh really what we're going to talk about are concepts that are just in general apply to all card games uh, so it doesn't matter if you play lor or magic or hearthstone or insert card game here these strategies and concepts are going to help you just level up your game across the board so um that's what the goal is and we're happy to have you here uh let's uh let's go ahead and jump into our our first topic so our first topic here that we're going to talk about is this theme of inevitability. So we're going to talk about what is it. Um, and then kind of dissect it a little bit. So, uh, this concept actually, I I found it probably almost 10 years ago at this point. And it was an article that I read, uh, by Reed Duke that he posted on like magic's website. Um, and it was this concept in card games called inevitability. And What it is, at least uh, in card games, right, is uh, the easiest way to explain it is like, okay, if this game went on for an hour, or if you drew every card in your deck and had all the mana in the world, who would win the game, right? And if you have inevitability in a matchup, that means if the game uh, goes long enough, then you're going to win. But if you don't have inevitability, then you want the game to be as short as possible, right? So um, I guess, how do you think through inevitability, or or how does it influence um, how you play different card games?
1: Yeah, so it really depends on which card game I'm playing, but for the most part, every card game I've played competitively, there in most matchups it comes down to one deck is gonna have the inevitability and the other deck isn't. And this usually comes down to things like you said of oh, who has um if you have infinite mana game goes on, who's gonna do the best? So this is usually gonna be like your slower decks or the decks that play, you know, 10 mana creatures or the really big mana payoffs or the late game payoffs versus the decks that peak and spike really early. Um, and their goal is to stop you from getting that inevitability. Because usually when balance is correct, the trade-off of having big inevitability is going to be a week or earlier mid-game. And then so if you're not the inevitability, you're trying to punish those weaker, early and mid-games to try and get there. So the way I try and go after it or identify it, is I just look at my deck and I say, okay, like where does my mana stop at? What turn am I? is my biggest threat being played on? And that is a really good indication. So for example, if you're a deck where all of the cards in your deck cost one or two mana. Well, if your strongest card you're playing is a two mana card, that means that when it gets to turn 10 and everyone has 10, 15 mana or whatever game you're playing in, then having a two mana card off the top is not going to be very impactful. Whereas if the biggest craziest card you're playing is you know for in legends of rontera a 10 mana champion then yeah sure when you get to that big mana point that late into the game and you're playing this big 10 drop it's going to be much better than your opponent's two drop. so that's how you know okay if the game goes on long enough i get to play out all my mana of stuff i have an ability
0: yeah no 100 percent and and you know i i've i've been known as a control player for most of my <laughs> most of my time in ccgs right um it's kind of my, my thing and so I, I guess inevitability is i guess a concept that i kind of live by <laughs> it's like okay yeah. um if i can make it to the point in the game where my deck actually does something then i'm gonna win this game but uh oftentimes you know surviving aggro when they just draw really well is, is hard to do right so um, I think that's like if you if you want to look at it in, in different terms, like kind of the easiest, most polarizing matchup is um, you know a, a control deck or maybe like a really heavy mid range deck versus like an aggro deck. And so if you take that concept of okay, let's say you all you both at the same time drew every card in your deck and had a hundred mana, um, who's going to win? It's like well, yeah, to your point, it's it's if you have inevitability, it's going to be your your top end heavy creatures, your your 10, 15 mana things that come down. Um, but if you're like, you know, if you play magic and your red deck wins and you have, you know, 20 damage and lightning bolts, then, you know, it's like, well, yeah. cool. while your creature's on the stack, I'm just going to damage you for 20 and it's going to be easy. Um, right. and so it's like, if that's your win con, it's like, okay, you don't have to wait to late game to lightning bolt somebody 20 times. Like, you're just going to go do that. Um, and so figuring out, you know, do I, if the game goes on to turn 20, am I in a better spot or a worse spot? Uh, and it's easy on those polarizing matchups. It's harder in like a mid range versus mid range deck, and it's like those are where it gets really complicated. And, and sometimes, you know, if you haven't played the matchup a ton or if you haven't tested it, you're never going to know uh, until you really like figure it out and and test it and try it. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, it, it, we've all been in those matchups where it's like, man, I should have played that a little bit differently. Like, I should have, I should have, uh, I should have played defense and I went on the offense. And you know, we've all been there. Um, but it's always hard in those like mid range versus mid range matchups to determine like who has who should be the aggressor, like who who sh- who has inevitability and who doesn't, because that kind of determines how you play the matchup.
1: Yeah, and I think like that's probably one of the most important aspects of card games in my opinion to really any card game that you play is just knowing how your deck functions i think the most important thing you can do outside of learning the fundamentals and learning like how the game works is to actually master your deck and this is how you end up with people that are known as like one tricks and they can get very far into tournaments with a deck that's maybe like a tier two tier three deck even And people are like oh this deck sucks like how is this deck making top eight at a major how is it making top 16 consistently by this one player it's like because if you can master a deck well enough, you always know if you have the inevitability if you don't how to master each matchup. So if it's a mid-range deck, you don't, you don't actually have to question yourself middle of the game of am I the inevitability or am I the aggro deck or if oh I drew the aggro half of my deck so now I am the aggro deck or oh I drew like the inevitability half of my deck because I drew like the slower version so let me play it that way. So being able to master your deck will definitely help you answer the questions of am I this beat down player? am i the inevitability player depending on again like if you drew which half of your deck even can tell you that it can change from game to game and so just having that knowledge and the practice on your deck specifically will help you out in so many scenarios
0: yeah i oh my gosh i couldn't agree more right like knowing how to play your deck in certain matchups is is key right because there's never one there's never only one way to play your deck right like you have so many different win cons in, in your deck and it doesn't matter what it is it doesn't matter what game you play it's like your deck has more than one win con and it's like yeah. okay if your win condition in this aggro matchup is you know making it to late game then you need to you know play your deck really defensively and you know if for control players you know choose your counter spells really carefully and like is this something that i can handle or not right is is this going to win them the game or not um and so making those decisions and and, you know we talk about decision trees in card games all the time right and Mm. and that's what makes or breaks your game right do you make more correct decisions or more wrong decisions and like if you play it correctly you're going to win but those decisions change based on what you're playing against and that's the whole point is um you know, I, I think that's one of the areas that that traditional trading card games actually does a better job than and, than CCGs, right? Because in trading card games, it's not. Like if if you look back to Magic or or any like trading card game, it's not is it's not super easy to build a new deck. You have to go get all you have to go buy all the new cards. Like you have to order them online, get them shipped to you. You got to sleeve them up. It's like not easy to like build a whole new deck in trading card games. And right. so, a lot of people do, especially in those like modern legacy formats, stick to one deck and they become really really good at that deck because it's like the only one they have. Yeah, and building a new to drop one is really a hard. On a new deck. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so. Um, so that's one area where it's easier to do that in, in in tcgs but with ccgs right like they make it so easy to build a new deck you know you go online copy a deck code paste it in and it's done for you you don't even have to go find all the cards and click them and so with ccgs it's so easy to just think like oh my deck's not good in the meta right now and maybe it's not you know maybe it's not i'm not saying that any deck is always gonna be good in the meta but like you know if you are really good at playing your one deck and you know how it works at, at, at like a core level and what you need to draw and how to put yourself in the best odds mm-hmm. to draw what you need to draw or do what you need to do um then yeah you can if the if the standard win rate for a deck like if you just go on any tier list that you look at and the win rate for a specific deck let's say it's like 52% has a 52% win rate or even you know somewhere around there 52%. If you are a good pilot of that deck, you can easily take a 52% like win rate deck and make it 55, 56%, right? Like easily. And you can increase your odds, your chance to win by like four or five percent, just because you know how to play it better than the average people playing that deck. For sure. Um, and so you know that's the same thing with it's, you could like the opposite though if you have a deck that has a sixty percent win rate, but the play rate is super low, and you start playing it, and you are like, "Well, I don't understand. I have a forty six percent win rate with it." And it's like, "Well, it's because you don't have to play the deck right." Yep. And um, and so I, I think it's really easy to like play a deck and like, "Oh, it's not working for me." Go switch to a new deck, and it's like, "Yeah, but if you find a deck that you really like, like learn it inside and out, and your win rate will be better than the average person's win rate." Yep. Um, and, and and again, I think on CCGs, it's it's a harder concept to to follow through on just because they make it so easy to uh to switch decks and, and do things like that so i 100 agree all right like learn the matchups learn your deck and i promise you the win rate will follow
1: <laughs> yeah i mean we've seen i've seen multiple people either win championships or come close i mean i won my major my biggest achievement with not necessarily like rogue decks but i had like one deck that everyone like knew me for they were like oh you are like the draven jinx guy like the discard aggro guy And I got to play that deck and I played it well enough in the matchups to where I beat multiple like really bad matchups that I just had no business winning just because I knew exactly how to play. Like it got to a point where I was playing an aggro deck, but I was playing it so slow because I understood the matchup to where I actually overdrew, like I had to discard down the hand size essentially at the end of my turns because I was just drew too many cards and wasn't playing as many cards as you're supposed to in the aggro matchup. So there's like that. You have, I've seen people play like a tier four. There's a deck that had, like a 42% win rate. It was deep in Legends of Runeterra. It had like some low 40% win rate and it got second at a major because the guy that played it had a 80% win rate with the deck because he just knew how to play it so much better than everyone else and understood actually how to play the deck. And he was able to make it all the way to second place with a um, uh at a major with that deck. And his win rate was so good that if you ever looked at average win rates for the deck and an individual player's win rates, he actually never showed up because every single algorithm you would use to look for win rates um, counted him as an anomaly. So it just wouldn't show him in any of the win rate stuff because they were like, "Something's obviously wrong here. This is way <laughs> too out of the ordinary." And so none of the algorithms actually ever showed this person coming up in all of their all of the searches. Like, it, there's you can get some crazy results if you're good enough at your deck
0: that that's my new goal i think my new goal is to have such a high win rate that algorithms count me as an anomaly (laughs) yeah
1: Yeah, it was crazy because i remember the the thing was people were posting about 80 percent win rate over 50 games is like really good it's not like the craziest achievement ever but it is very good to have an 80 percent win rate over 50 games um Mm -hmm. and so we were like oh only like a couple people have ever done this up until this point in legends of rutera and then this uh guy that shine did who got second his name is random he was like, "Hey, I'm pretty sure I did this with uh Deep, this deep deck I was talking about." And so they went back and they looked and they're like, "No, we don't see you like on here." And then it got to the point where like, "Wait, we don't see you at all." Like that's obviously not right because you've played this deck before. So then once they like opened up the search and included everything, they eventually found out that he just wasn't showing up on any of the searches because he was such an anomaly. That when they found it his win rate was yeah, above 80%, but it was over like 100 something games. Like it
0: was something ridiculous. It was crazy. <laughs> That's so crazy. Oh my gosh. Yeah, and and so it just goes to show again the power of like really learning your deck and and becoming the master of that deck, right? And um even even uh I think beyond specific decks even, I think uh, learning an archetype, if there's an archetype that you like, right? Like that can help too. Um like for you know, for example, like I mentioned, I was like a control player in almost almost every card game I've played. I definitely Leaned more towards aggro and Lor, um, but I just think control and Lor is like a joke and don't not actually real. try. It. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's like it's not exist. real. Um, <laughs> so I found that out the hard way. um But like I, I, I started with control and magic, which was a, a big mistake. If you're new to Magic, don't start with control. Don't. <laughs> I you're lost the on only <laughs> person
1: I've ever seen draw as many rounds as you have in the open. I think you went like undefeated day one. And missed day two because you just had so many draws. You're like, oh, I didn't lose. Like, I don't know. I just didn't finish most of my games.
0: The the most heartbreaking one was when I did a teams event uh, back when teams was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we now we made day two. We didn't top eight because we had too many draws.
1: Okay, that's what I yeah that's
0: what I was talking about because I went to that yeah team event. Yeah, we we uh to be fair, they weren't all my fault. Most of them <laughs> were my fault. And and I was playing Legacy. I was playing <laughs> Miracles and Legacy, Miracles. Uh, <laughs> but. Uh, uh, no, we like yeah we we day two and we did really well in day two and we got twelfth place because of our tiebreakers or because like because we drew too many rounds. That's um, Yeah, and there was anyway. That's a whole other tangent. There was one of those draws <laughs> though. There was one of those draws we shouldn't have had. My opponent slow played on um, uh, death and taxes, and oh, um, uh, but it wasn't it wasn't like standard death and taxes. Wasn't there like a a red death and taxes like with a red splash? I think at some point anyway uh, it wasn't uh, yeah. it wasn't the standard death and taxes it was like death and taxes adjacent and uh i I had lethal on next turn and they like slow played until round was over and then like, we went to turn anyway. we went to turns and it was like turn five and I was like dude are you really not gonna concede you're gonna keep me from top eight he was like I'm sorry you were one turn away like we went to turn five and it like he'd finished and I was like oh my god dude like really I had leave anyway it was crazy that, that was like the most tilting. things I missed out top eight on that event for, <laughs> because of because of that but anyway um but like yeah just learning it learning an archetype right like i I started with control and I learned control and now it's like mm-hmm. I'm very familiar with the control archetype and how it's played. And so if I pick up a control deck, the learning curve is l- lower, like substantially lower because I know how to play control decks. Um, and so like learning your archetype, the same thing goes with, for like aggro or mid range. And it's like, you know, in general, even if you just pick the deck up, like, okay, I'm in this matchup. I, I should probably be the aggressor here. And like nine times out of 10, you're going to be right. Because if you know the archetype you're playing against and you know what archetype you have, the decks only change that dynamic very rarely and so yeah the fundamentals um, don't change right exactly and so if you learn the matchup and learn your archetype like the same concept applies doesn't have to be the exact same you know 40 card deck or 60 card deck right it's as long as you know how to play the matchup know how to play the archetypes like that's going to be super important as well Mm -hmm. um so moving on to uh the next portion of this is still around inevitability does inevitability exist in all card games
1: uh i think it's existed in every card game i've played so the card games i've played competitively have been magic the gathering pokemon uh, Lorkana, uh legends of runeterra and then some like random some random like indie ones because they had high price pools for whatever reason so i've like if there is some small indie card game that had a high price pool the one i'm thinking of is uh what's that the weeb game that everyone plays I can't think of another Toyover uh, game. Gitchin, something like that. Gitchin Impact. Gitchin, so, Gitchin Impact. Yeah, like, yeah, I play Impact. All of those card games that I've played um, have had inevitability. There's always been like, it's very clear where, it, oh, and Snap also. I, I haven't competed in Snap, but i played a lot of Snap, where it's like, one deck will be winning like very hard if this game goes on for infinite turns, right? Um, mm-hmm. There's going to be one deck that just like slowly gains favor and favor and favor until it's like, yeah, I'm just going to be so far ahead of you, so far outvaluing you that I'm going to win. You?
0: Yeah, I would say it exists in almost every card game. The one card game that I don't think inevitability exists in, and this is kind of what spurred me to, like, want to talk about inevitability in general. One, I think it's an underappreciated concept in card games that's so incredibly important, and, like, I, I didn't realize how much that article... I read it, like, one time back in 2015, and I still think about it to this day all the time. Can I guess um, what card game you were going to say
1: doesn't have inevitability? Yeah. Is it Snap? Yeah,
0: it is Snap. Snap yeah. does not have inevitability because the game doesn't go for infinite turns. Like, right. in yeah. in Hearthstone or LOR or Magic, like, there are no turns. You just go until somebody wins or time is up, right? Mm-hmm. In Snap, you have six turns. Yeah. And so it's like, you can't really get inevitability in six turns, and, like, you like there's just no no not enough time not enough room for there to be inevitability and you're gonna draw 75 80 percent of your deck every every game right like you you have in snap you have a 12 card deck and you draw eight of them like every turn or nine of them every turn right like every game so like you're gonna draw yeah you're gonna draw like almost yeah all but two yeah so you draw so many cards every game um so it's like it's it's really just like it's the one game that's it's 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 the most different card game out there right now, be, yeah. for a lot of reasons. But um, it doesn't have inevitability because, again, like you're going to go for six turns every time. You can't like, you can't get a huge mana advantage. Like, sure, there are ways to cheat cards out and get a somewhat like mana or energy advantage, but it's it's not enough to like make a difference. Um, most games, and so like, there's no inevitability in Snap. Uh, but I do agree that in every other card game, in Hearthstone, there's inevitability, in Magic, in LOR, in every other card game, there is inevitability. Snap, and I think the only reason that Snap doesn't have it is because you're limited to six turns,
1: yeah. Um, so and uh, also
0: like your board space is limited, so I think that's the only one that doesn't. Yeah, but that the sense. concepts still like kind of matter in a different way, though.
1: Yeah. So Snap doesn't have inevitability because of that, but do. You- Would you say, does Snap have like checkmate moments where it's like, it's not inevitability because it has to end, but you where some decks can put yourself in a spot where it's like after turn four or turn five, probably like turn five, going into the last turn where you're like, yeah, it doesn't matter what my opponent does now. I've set up because I was able to do my things one through four or one through five. They didn't stop me. They didn't interact with me. So now I've won the game.
0: Yes, so that does exist. I think it's not like, (laughs) it's funny because... I, I think back to a and snap. I was playing, you know, surprise, surprise, a control deck. Um, and it, it was just a lockdown deck. And the whole point is you want to lock down basically all three it's locations like b- before turn six. Yeah. Before they, before they massacred my boy, um, they completely yeah. reworked Spider-Man and it's, I'm not bitter about it, but I'm sad about it. Um, <laughs> so it's like, yeah, there were definitely games and it was, I always made the joke on my stream of like, yeah, that's my goal, right? My goal is to give nobody any locations you can't play a card on turn six like nobody's gonna play a turn six because the board is gonna be locked up uh and it's possible to do that and it's still possible to do that it's they made it harder and it's not necessarily good anymore um but like but you can still do it and so yeah there are definitely games uh some games where it's like okay well because they like or some people like pull galactus especially like with the new card that came out like last week Goliath. It's like if you play Galactus and Eliot, it's like, okay, well, Galactus is going to destroy every location but one. And then you have to basically have priority to do that. So you have priority going to the last game, the last turn, and then like you're just going to play in an Elioth and it doesn't matter what they play and you win the game. So it's like, there, it, I guess I guess it does exist in a smaller uh, way and not quite in the same fashion. but um, And it's like a one turn inevitability, which is like a really weird thing to think about. Um, yeah, that's me. I guess it can. Yeah.
1: That, that to me is more like it's like really sounds like a checkmate. So, what do you think? Is there mm-hmm. like a big difference between what you would call like a checkmate scenario and an inevitability scenario? Where like inevitability is more like, you know, oh, if the game goes on long enough, I'm just gonna, like going to win. But checkmating is more like I'm going to do my thing. And then you get to the spot where it's like you just can't um lose like that happens in pokemon a lot where it's like i'll have inevitability because of how my deck functions where it's like if you give me 10 turns i'm going to put you in a spot where no matter what you do next turn i'm winning like one way or another you could kill this pokemon you can make me draw this card you can discard my hand whatever like i have game on board like two to two or three different ways and Mm Magic, you can get to spots like that with mostly combo decks and mid-range decks um you can get to spots like that too and lor it's like the same way it's like oh if you kill my thing i still have either direct damage to burn or elusive like flying damage stuff like that um how would you compare those two like what's the main difference between i guess like inevitability and like checkmating
0: yeah i guess it's a good question uh i would say in some cases they're very similar right like you were you were talking about it and my mind still went to like storm Right. And it's like, yeah, so it's like in Storm, it's like, okay, do you have the combo or not? Like, yeah, it's like when they
1: gifts you, it's like I can gifts these five cards and it's like no matter which which pile you give me, I'm going to win the game.
0: Right. And so, like, I, I would say there's like the inevitability of like, okay, if you let Storm go long enough and set up the combo, then like, you know, then they'll win the game every time. Um, And then the checkmate, I was like, okay, here's my gifts, here's my storm counter, like, do do we need to play this out? Mm -hmm. Um, And and so that's the checkmate moment. And so uh, I I would say in some cases, it's exactly similar. Um, I think the part where it's different is like when you think about more standard decks right like storm is obviously a very specific scenario and like it's it's one deck it's like the only deck that does exactly what storm does yeah um but if you look at other other decks like if we if we go back to miracles right like i don't think miracles has a real checkmate moment it's really just like okay did i survive long enough to like I'm ahead of you on cards in hand. I'm ahead of you on lands. And like, I have a monastery mentor out and like, I'm going to go do my mentor thing. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's like, if you let me get to that point, I'm going to win, but I don't know if it necessarily has like a, okay, here's my storm counter. Do you want me to finish this or not? Right. Like I don't have like a really checkmate moment. It's like, I can control the board enough and sure. Like you can miracle and do stuff like that. Like, but I would say like, the checkmate moment is just the conclusion of the inevitability of like, okay, we're at that point now. Cause like, I I think there's, there's a, there's a turning point in most games, right. Of like, if you are, if you are the deck with inevitability and you're trying to survive, like you're playing defense, you're playing, like you're not the aggressor. um, There's a point, you know, we always talk about, it's like, Oh, I stabilized that too. Right. Or like, they almost got me, but I stabilized. And it's like, there's that point of like, okay, I've hit my inevitability. It's really hard for you to win. Now I've stabilized and like, we're good. Um, and, and, and I think like, I guess that could be considered a checkmate moment, but you're not done yet because you could still miss yeah. a couple draws. And like, you know, if you stabilize too low there, you're, you're one bad draw away from still being finished off. Right. Like, so mm-hmm. I wouldn't say it's a checkmate moment. But it's like, okay, I'm ha- we're like getting into the end game. I stabilize, I just need to draw well and like, keep like my opponent at bay but i can start putting on the pressure and like closing this game out um and so i think that's the thing it's like if you can win it in one combo or one turn like that's a checkmate moment but it's like if you can't do that and it's like okay i just need to continue stabilizing and like start putting the pressure on to finish the game out that's inevitability to me but it's not really a checkmate moment because again like if i go too aggressive like let's say i go for lethal and like okay if I'm in that, if I'm, if I'm, if I've been playing defense all game and I don't have a checkmate moment, I'm just coming to the conclusion of my inevitability. But it's like, okay, I tap out for lethal because I feel like I have the inevitability. It's like, okay, cool. I'm just going to like, you're at two health still and like tap this one red and lightning bolt you to the face. Right. And it's like, okay. I had inevitability, but I just did, still didn't play. I didn't close the game out correctly and it cost me in the end. So I don't have a, that checkmate moment, right? Where it's like, those other decks that we talked about like storm it's like yeah you can't really do anything once storm goes off like then, yeah, yeah like, I think
1: you put it well of like inevitability leads into the like like most inevitability decks will have that checkmate moment of like even if you don't have like the lethal you're like mm-hmm. oh i have like so much mana that i'm gonna get yeah. you for like three every turn and mm-hmm. i have quadrupled tillion counter spells in my hand so it's like do i have exact lethal right now no but i have like a central checkmate because you're never playing a spell that matters against me for the
0: rest of the game right exactly and and i think that's it right it's not a checkmate it, yeah exactly it's like you eventually just get ahead on cards or on energy right and or, or mana and uh it's like okay like i have a fistful of cards you're top decking like this feels like an um, un, almost unlosable situation and it usually is right like yeah. you have to get very unlucky to lose those situations but like that's that's the the in my head because if you're the aggro player you also know that you're beat right or it's like okay yeah, like sure. like they have you know a fistful of cards and a million lands like we're gonna yeah we're, we're, we're gonna die a slow death now and so that's usually what happens but yeah I, so i think that's the difference in my mind against like a checkmate moment um and i yeah, guess you can't consider it a checkmate moment but I, I i really view those as like a okay here's my combo and i'm like do you have an answer to this? If not, you lose like that's a checkmate. Yep.
1: Um,
0: so yeah, I think that's a, that's a good way to put it though. So, and I think in snap, those checkmate moments do exist Um. of like, you know, here's my Galactus. Do you have an answer for it? Yes or no. Um, yeah. But in more, more cases, yeah, in more cases, it's the checkmate and less of inevitability because you're never really going to have enough of a card advantage against your opponent to, to matter uh, you're never going to have an energy advantage that really matters. And so it's really just like, I'm going to play this one card that does something really powerful. And like, yes, this telegraph. Do you have an answer for it? Yes or no? And if, if the answer is yes, and like you're going to be in a good spot, if the answer is no, then like this game is probably mine.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, so there's that. And then also just like, that's a whole nother mechanic with like, with having those checkmate moments in, in Snap. It's like, do you snap and make the game worth double the points or or do you you know retreat and so if you have that checkmate moment it's like snap early um because they're gonna retreat and, and then you know you're gonna lose out on potential earnings or you can mm-hmm. uh you know retreat if you don't have the answer to it if you're on the receiving end of it it's like okay well let me save some let me let me save some damage here and just get out of here right so um but yeah i think in every other card game that i've played um it was, it was it hit me again during Hearthstone, right? Like, Hearthstone's a game that I haven't really played until last month uh, when I did the CCG challenge. And um, I had to learn all of those decks and matchups. And it was, like, it, it brought me a lot back to my Magic days of, like, I started with a deck. Like, I started with Undead Priest, which is, like... I I considered an ag- an aggro deck. I don't know <laughs> if the Hearthstone community would be mad at me for considering an aggro deck. It felt pretty aggro to me. I I think it could be considered a mid range as well. Mm-hmm. But um, it was like you know I a big deck when I was like climbing the legend was like uh, Hound Hunter, right? Like Hound Hunter, like this big, huge mid range deck that had just like really good value cards, really powerful cards, and finished you off with like a f- twenty twenty dinosaur that just one shot you. Yeah, and it was like cool uh i i played the undead priest versus hound hunter matchup probably a hundred times and uh it never felt great my my and i think that's why i consider it an aggro deck because it's like i knew i did not have enough ability like if i let them get to turn 10 and they could just like unfaithful or faithful companions and just like win the game it's like okay well there's literally nothing i can do um and so it's like i need to beat them before turn like even six i was trying to beat like their their hollow hound out Mm -hmm. and um and so it's, like, that that concept of inevitability got back to me and, like, made me think about it again. Like, okay, like, that deck is going to beat me if we go to turn 10. Like, I need to finish this game early. And it yeah. drove the way that I played the matchup. And then eventually, if you can't beat him, join them. Then I eventually played Hound Hunter. And I had the opposite mindset where it's, like, when I was playing against... And that, that was probably the best example for me. It was, like, Hearthstone, right? Because against the Undead Priest or, like shaman or like a bunch of other matchups it's like okay i just need to survive like if i make it to turn 10 like i'm gonna do the double huge dino and one shot them and be fine uh but against like control priest it's like or control mage it's like yeah if this goes late i lose immediately so it's, yeah, it's like, like i, I i'm um, gonna
1: turn 10 but then if it goes to turn like 15 <laughs> then it's like well I'm, that's a whole different beat.
0: yeah yeah it's like okay like i'm not going to beat these like control mage control priest decks so it's like okay i need to like be the aggressor and um and like really just try to aggro these creatures out and not like i'm not trying to survive i'm trying to like go beat go face mm-hmm. and um and i think that's the cool part too about just just archetypes in general and matchups and stuff is like most of the time if you play if you're an aggro player and you play aggro you're pretty confident going in that you're going to be the aggressor like there is almost never that you're not going to want to be the aggressor maybe in a mirror match if you're like there's yeah yeah, like yeah like maybe if they're slightly favored it's like okay like let let me survive and get to them but really it's just you're both like going face and seeing who can do it faster but um and in control it's the opposite like you're almost never the aggressor in control you're always just trying to survive Mm -hmm. but mid-range is like the most interesting and i think that's why so many people like mid-range is that like your play patterns and like the way you play the mid-range decks changes so dramatically based on the matchup because like you're mid-range so it's like yeah you can be a little fast if you need to like go be the aggressor or you can be a little slow so um I think that's probably why a lot of people like playing mid-range. I know mid-range is very popular. I've, I've never thoroughly enjoyed it, but I know yeah. a lot of people do.
1: <laughs> yeah, me either. You play a lot of control. I play a lot of aggro, a lot of aggro yeah. across basically every game I play or combo are like the two things I play. I try and stay away from mid-range, uh, mostly because it just like hurts my head. I don't want to <laughs> be there like, okay, I have 10, like, okay, so um, in LOR games that have like limited board space, you're like, okay, I have a full board of 10 10s you have a full board of ten tens. like let's figure out how to start trading this stuff down so i can get ahead and get my value engine going and like all that type of jazz and it's just like yeah i'm just gonna try to avoid that and kill you before you get your 10 out or <laughs> just kill you in one turn and not really care about what you're doing with my combo decks and stuff like that
0: yeah no that makes sense and yeah mine's the opposite mine's like oh i want you to try to play that 10 10 so i can tell you no yeah. <laughs> That's, that's, that's what I love about card games is like, oh, I'm going to play this huge creature. I'm like, nah, you're not. You're yeah, not, one. I'm my sorry.
1: First, <laughs> my first ever deck actually in any card game was Magic the Gathering, and I played mono green hydras with like mono <laughs> devotion hydras. The deck was not good. but so basically for I don't know what it is, is imagine you just spend as much mana as you can every turn and you make one unit that's that big. So usually I would like pump out a bunch of mana and make like 10 mana and I'll make a 10-10. And like, <laughs> that's cool. But my opponent would just kill it with like a two mana removal spell or a three mana <laughs> counter spell or something of that nature. Or the aggro deck would just go right under it. And I remember the thing that stopped me stopped me from wanting to play mid range was there was this one guy who was really good at my local card store. He only played control every single week. <laughs> and literally, I just played like, oh my, I'd play a huge creature and he'd counter it. I'd play a small or medium <laughs> creature. He wouldn't counter it because it didn't matter. And anytime I played something cool that I was really excited for, he would just spend three mana to counter it. It got to the point to where I looked up every single uncounterable green creature and just threw those on my deck just to play that guy. And I still lost to him, and I was like, nah, I'm done. I was like, I- I'm done with this. At least it's not worth it. I'm just gonna play little things. I was like, I'm going to the extreme. I'm either playing really little things or I'm playing really, really big things. I really like game time I was like, none of this in-between stuff.
0: Oh that's funny. I forgot how I my, I know my first deck that I really played in Magic. The my first real deck was like Esper Dragons and oh man I still have such a soft spot in my heart for that deck like if I could get that deck back built back together I would just keep it just
1: yeah, so, forgot. we started at like the same time because that the mm-hmm. hijack was like the first deck I like played and ever built. And of course mm-hmm. I built it with like $5 and uh, out of scrap cards <laughs> and stuff. Yeah. But the first deck I ever took to a tournament was to the open in Dallas. and I took blue black dragons, which was essentially your deck, but without the white. Um, yeah. And it was the same thing. And I drew my round one it was my first ever like tournament, like big tournament, like that wasn't an FNM. And I drew round one. Which i didn't think was that big of a deal until you realize that the only people drawing round one are other control players <laughs> so then i just hit only the mirror match for like three rounds straight and i was like no i can't do this anymore and i just dropped after round four and <laughs> i was like no, i can't do this
0: <laughs> oh man that deck was uh playing that colorless ugin and then just like minus seven like yeah. For those of you that don't know what deck we're talking about, the basically the way that you won the game. Well, one of the ways you could win the game was you could drop down this like colorless planeswalker. Uh, Ugin the spirit dragon, and then it had a minus seven on the planeswalker, so you could go minus seven on your planeswalker, and it would say, Draw seven cards, gain seven life, put seven permanents on the battlefield, remove seven of your enemies' permanents on the battlefield. And It's just like it's a 14 permanent swing, right? Like they get they lose seven, you gain seven, you gain seven life, and you draw seven cards. And it was just like that was a checkmate moment. At the, like, I'm gonna, it's like, Okay, I'm about to minus seven. My Ugin, do you concede?
1: Yeah, that's how inevitability <laughs> works. It's like yeah. if if it goes on long enough, I'm gonna play this planeswalker I'm gonna uptick it a couple times, and then it's just like you are going to lose the game. So yeah, like, I just need <laughs> to survive until this. One.
0: Yeah, it it was it was absolutely insane. And minus seven Ugin was like my absolute favorite way to win the game. Mm-hmm. Um, at least I think it was minus seven. if I remember the card correctly, and I think I do. But um it was it was absolutely insane. And so that was like ah, oh, I miss that deck. That deck was so much fun to play. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, so, okay, so inevitability. Uh, so in summary of, of of the first two parts of this so far is uh, inevitability is, you know, if this game goes on long enough, who wins the game? Uh, and then it does exist in every card game, maybe a little less in Marvel Snap, more so, like, checkmate moments in Marvel Snap. But every other card game has inevitability. And so uh, for our last, you know, topic today, um, how do you... So we talked about this a little bit, right? But at the end of the day, like, how do you analyze the matchups? Uh, we talked a little bit about, like, you know, it's kind of the archetypes that determine it. But when you sit down and let's say it's your, let's say you don't know, let's, let's pretend you don't know uh, the opponent's deck at all. Mm-hmm. And you don't know how you should be playing the matchup what do you look for during the course of a game that tells you what are the clues and things that you get? And it's like, okay, because of this, like, I need to be the aggressor or because of this, I need to, like, play defense. Like, I guess when you sit down, like, how do you, for new players or people that are just getting started, right? Like, what should they look for? What, what clues during the game can they get? Or if they look at a deck list, like, what things should they be looking for of, like, to, uh, how to analyze the matchup to figure out what they should be doing and if they have inevitability or not?
1: Sure. So I'm actually going through this or kind of went through this with Pokemon because uh, I just recently started playing competitive Pokemon. So I've had this thing where it's like, I don't know. I know the meta decks, um, but I don't know like every deck out there. Right. So oftentimes when I'm playing on ladder or in these um uh, uh, these like uh, smaller fringe tournaments, I don't know what I'm playing against if it's not mm-hmm. one of the like basically five meta decks right now. Um, and so what I do with that is because this really just goes back to knowing your deck. And just mastering your deck well enough is what I do to analyze the matchup or to figure out like oh I don't know what I'm going against is to just know what your deck is trying to do. If it's an aggro deck and you're like oh well, my job is to aggro you down and then play this like crazy card and then go off with this this is like my bread and butter combo just try and do that like I would just try and do that try and be like oh I have a hand that can go really fast and do that if you have a hand that goes like you know medium fast or slow then try and play to those out so kind of just do your own game plan until you can kind of read or figure out what your opponent's trying to do um just read their cards is like the biggest thing uh, really make sure you understand what they're trying to do but for the biggest part how i analyze a matchup of a deck that i just have absolutely no idea what it's doing is just to hopefully i have my own deck mastered and i just try to do my game plan the best and then i know like well, I'm a combo deck I'm a slow deck. So I could just say like, I probably have inevitability or it's like, I'm playing a generally aggressive deck. So I probably don't have the inevitability. So I'm just going to try and do like that game plan. And of course, like the mid-range decks or combo matchups are different. But even in those decks, there's usually a point where you're like, oh, I have all of my, like my big mid rangey value thing going on here. I have a way to pump my guys a whole bunch. I have good stats. And it's like, I'm just going to get to this point to where I'm going to hope that whatever it is you're doing I could do it bigger or better. Oh, I have a removal spell in my hand and you just played something that looks like it could maybe be a threat or something. So I'm just going to go ahead and kill it and then just keep playing that way. Uh, it's probably how I'd go about like learning the decks is, uh, or learning the matchups and analyzing matchups is number one, master your deck. Number two is master your deck. And then number three is going to be learn the meta decks. And then number four is going to be master your deck outside of that. <laughs> and those are going to be the four tips of how like I would go to analyzing any matchup with any deck in any game if if i'm just learning
0: yeah and and i think that's a great point right like you can look at deck lists and and yeah reading the cards is super important too right like again for those of you that aren't familiar with like the matchup triangle what it goes like aggro beats control control beats mid-range 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 beats beats aggro Mm -hmm. it's kind of like the, the triangle of card games and and it's a pretty accurate generally accurate um, triangle, right? Like, Control has a great mid-range matchup. Aggro has a great Control matchup. Aggro has a terrible mid-range matchup. Um, And so that's, like, where I would start, just learning that basic triangle. It's like, okay, if you know you're a mid-range deck and you know that you um, are playing an aggro deck, it's like, you are probably playing defense, but you have a good matchup. And, like, that's where I would just start, and then until I'm proven wrong. uh, But again, that goes to, like, learning the deck, learning your deck learning the meta, the meta decks, like, like yeah. you mentioned. And so, um, I think it's a good place to start is just like knowing that, that matchup triangle and then figuring out where are you in it and what is your opponent playing? And like, it's easy to figure out what your opponent's playing. Does your opponent try to do five damage on turn one? Congratulations. You're playing against Nagro deck, like <laughs> yeah. you're, does your opponent just go past turn you're, you're playing against control deck. Got it. <laughs> um, and so, uh, I would look for those types of clues. I mean, it's pretty like the decks are pretty straightforward with like what they're trying to do um and the other part too is just like learning the game in general right like if you play magic you know that like green is the most mid range color yep. that there is in magic if you play you know blue is the most control card uh, control color that you could possibly have and then like red is the most aggro color that you could have right yep. um and so like if if like that's that knowing that it's like okay if you're if they're playing green now not every deck that has green in it is as a, a mid range deck but like most of them are yeah um and so it's like, you know, you can learn that, and that's going to help you, and that's just learning the game, right? Or if you play LOR, it's like, okay, if your opponent, you know, it shows you who their champions are before they even queue into a game, and it's like, if you see Jinx or Draven, it's like, okay, those are very aggro champions. Like, I'm probably playing against an aggro deck. Versus if you see, like, a, you know, Nautilus or, or Maokai, it's like, okay, those are very late-game champions. I'm probably playing against, like, a controller mid-range deck. Yeah. Um, and so, like, just learning your game also can help you, like, if you play hearthstone like you know you can see if they're you know at least what class they're playing and then you know you, you can see is this class typically playing more aggressively or more you know uh or or not and so uh i would say like learning the game too it just like can really help you give you a leg up before you even start and and so learning like what how the game plays out what what things should you be looking at to help you determine what your opponent is playing And then going back to, like, just that matchup triangle and your deck, right? And then it gets complicated again. Like, if you know you're playing a mid-range deck and your opponent's playing a mid-range deck, okay, is it it an exact mirror match? And then that's just learning how to play the mirror match, which is a whole nother thing in and of itself. Um, And then if it's not an exact mirror match, it's like, okay, do they have a more aggressive mid-range deck than I do? Or do I have a more aggressive mid-range deck than they do? And then, like, that's just, again, learning the matchup or aggro versus aggro or control versus control, right? Which, you know control versus control even as a control player is the most miserable matchup (laughs) that you'll ever face like it's awful um but i digress uh so it's like yeah so i think i agree with you like learn the deck learn the meta learn the game i would even say like just learn the game
1: yeah i think like i think something that people kind of don't understand and is maybe like not very intuitive when it comes to strategy games and card games is most of the time i do a lot of my practice or a lot of top players do a lot of practice and understanding not actually playing the game um the Mm -hmm. number one thing you can do especially if you're just starting isn't just like jam your deck a whole lot but it's to just kind of learn about how the the fundamentals of the game um, the colors of the game just like learn the things about your game that could really help you in your learning for the future. So just like help yourself learn to learn more. And then mm-hmm. it goes, you know, master your one deck. Go read up the meta deck. Like go to CCG Hub, you know, like learn learn the meta of your deck. See, like, oh, or the meta of your game. Like, okay, well, these are the most played Hearthstone decks, these are the most played Snap decks. Like, okay, at the very least, you can see what cards are in them. So you can kind of learn what it does. You get to look up the guides and see, like, oh, this is how this deck plays out. So even if you have zero interest in playing it, you don't let's say it's a paper card game, you don't own the cards for it, like we were talking about. Um You know, like, that's fine. You don't have to play it. If you know what it does, well, now you know how to play against it. And that's very good. If it's the most played deck, you know, there's like Loki right now in Snap, right? You said it's like 33% of the meta or something, 40% of the meta. Yeah,
0: something crazy.
1: So like, you know, like, okay, well, one in every three games, I'm probably going to be hitting this deck. If I don't have the cards to play it, which you probably don't, then it's like, I'm going to at least know what it does so I can try and counterplay it. So I can try and figure out how to, you know, disrupt it or play against it or set with my plays are. So I know like, oh, they're playing this card. That's going to be their combo setup. I know exactly what to look out for in the future. And it's just a lot of stuff like that where it's the stuff outside of playing the actual game itself will help set you up for a, a rocket speed of success of just learning these are the meta decks. The color pies like he was talking about, it's like, oh, I'm playing against uh, a Jinx deck or a Noxus deck. Oh, that means aggro. I'm playing against a hunter deck. That either means this aggro deck or this mid range deck. And then once you know it has to be one of those two, within the first two turns, you'll know. You'll know, like, oh, Mm -hmm. they passed turn one and two. That means they're either the mid-range version or they're the aggro version with such a bad start that it doesn't (laughs) matter what they're doing that I'm going to win anyways. (laughs) Um, And it's just a lot of, like, learning the game and learning the metagame outside of actually just playing and this is something that people can do i know when i first started playing when i got into it people were like oh how do you um i have a full-time job i have a family like all this stuff like i don't have time to play this game for eight hours a day i only have time to play for two hours that's why i'd rather play than read Um, like guides and stuff like that. It's like, well, at work, I don't actually work for, like I go to work for eight to nine hours a day, but I'm not like actually working for eight to nine hours a day, right? So I'll use a lot of my downtime and my lunch to like watch a a video guide, watch your read this guide here, like look up this meta stats. And there's oftentimes you can find downtime. If it's just like 10, 20, 30 minute downtime, you can instantly, you can learn a deck at the very minimum learn like how the deck functions, or you can learn the meta. You can learn a lot in just like little spurts of time when you're not able to play the game. So that way, when you do have such limited time to play the game, you can really just excel and you can learn a lot as a beginner.
0: Yeah, no, I a hundred percent agree. Like, I mean, that was, you know, when I was, when I was really like competitively playing magic, you know, I I found every bit of downtime I possibly could to try to like learn and get better. Like I even, my commutes to work, you know, (laughs) pre-COVID, you know, when I, when I still worked in an office, you know, um, it's, I started using my commutes to work to listen to podcasts and like I listened to exclusively magic podcasts for like you know years on just the to and from work and and so it's like that way when I went to actually go play magic I was I was you know I was consuming time while I was doing something else and it wasn't cutting into my play time but I cuz I wanted to like learn the decks and learn the meta and practice. But I also wanted to, like you said, like learn the game and like get better and like learn uh, other concepts and stuff. And so, you know, um, I, I agree, right? Like it's, it doesn't take, we're not saying if they could dedicate two hours for an entire week to like learn this stuff. It's like, look, I mean, you can look up a deck list and read the deck and watch it, watch a deck guide there. I promise you, if you play a card game, every content creator that for your card game has made a deck guide recently (laughs) like -hmm. like i promise you it's happened right like i've made deck guides before mo's made deck guides like every -hmm. every content creator makes deck guides so i promise you you can go find a 10 minute deck guide i
1: find multiple deck guides even (laughs) even if it's like oh this guy this guy kind of doesn't sound like he's he's stumbling a lot whatever like i'm sure you can go find another person to find your deck guides for like there'll be plenty of content out there for learning card games especially on ccg Hub
0: yeah yes especially on ccg hub um but yeah i mean like there's tons of deck guides that you can go find and like it's 10 minutes and just treat the vi- even if it's a youtube video treat it like a podcast like i promise you you don't have to watch the gameplay to understand what they're saying like you, you they're gonna break down the cards they're gonna walk through their, their play patterns they're gonna talk it out like you can just listen to it so um
1: you know a fun, to... funny story is yeah. when i put out my deck guides and my videos for lor um mm-hmm. every once in a while i would say a comment of like um like oh this person says i talk too much when i explain everything and i say that's because there's probably a whole like a third of my audience right now is changing their baby or they're like vacuuming mm-hmm. or they're doing the dishes or something like that and yep. every time i mention that that never fails there's at least one comment on that video that says <laughs> i had to pause insert whatever they were doing to come say thank you for like this one part because I, yeah. I was actually doing something while you explained everything and it helps out a lot. So yeah, you really can't just listen to these YouTube. Like you don't have to watch every single game and stuff. Like yeah,
0: that. no, exactly. And so, um, and I think as content creators, we know that, which is why we talk as much as we do, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's funny. I was playing, uh, <laughs> I have been streaming for a few months and I, I played just like a, a casual, like, Builder game with my friends and I wasn't streaming. We were just like I was hanging out with them. We were playing a game and I was like, I didn't realize it until I was doing it for about thirty minutes where I was like just talking about everything I was doing in the game, yeah. and they were, they were like, Yeah, we get it. And I was like, Oh my bad, guys. Like <laughs> I was like, All right, I'm gonna go over here and do this now. Okay, I'm doing this. Like I'm gonna go pick this up. And I was just like <laughs> talking through everything. Yeah. Uh But yeah, I mean, I, I, it's like you don't have to watch the YouTube videos. Like they're gonna be talking through what they're doing, Um and so. Yeah, to your point, right, like, if you only have two hours a day to play the game, I trust me, I get it Like, you want to use all of that time to actually play the game. Um, because playing the game is what's fun, right? Reading about it isn't always fun. But I promise you, I do promise you this, coming from experience, if you take one of those days, and spend two hours trying to improve your gameplay or learn something new about the game or get better in some way, the next time you play the game, like you just do it for one day, for two hours, just dedicate two hours to getting better. I promise you the next time you play the game, you're going to have a better time. Like you are, the ROI that you will get will be there. You will like, Enjoy the game a little bit more because you understand it better and you you'll win more. Um, yeah. And if if nobody likes to play a game that they just lose, like if somebody played a game that had a zero percent win rate, they would stop playing that game. And like it's just not fun to lose every game. Um, and I understand like not everyone's super competitive, and I'm not saying like and <laughs> you have to go watch a two-hour video and go into a tournament. But it's like if you want to win, like if you want to improve your win rate, like if you spend two hours one night doing it, like you will see the improvement mm-hmm. in the next time you play. But again, like you don't have to do that. You, there are many of ways to consume content you don't have to dedicate two hours to like learning and reading like just your commute to work or while while you're changing the baby while you're mowing the yard while you're doing dishes throw some AirPods in listen to metamind's podcast you know (laughs) listen to listen to uh your content creator of choice uh and and it, it, it will pay dividends
1: for sure yeah i remember oh when i first started playing any new game Um, the first thing I do is I just look up the best players, not really the best content creators, but I'll look up the best players. I'll see if any of them make content. And then I'll look up the best content creators and I'll kind of watch both because Mm -hmm. I promise you a lot of the best players aren't the best at explaining things. And then a lot of the content creators are really good at explaining and talking, but they might not be the best players. So you kind of mix, mix and match those. And every time I start a new game, I do like a three to one where any the one hour I spend playing the game, I spend three hours like learning about it, whether that's reading the fundamentals of the game, how to play the game, um, you know, like advanced tactics of the game, watching YouTube content, watching guides, reading guides, anything. If I spend like one hour playing when I get home, I'm going to spend three hours like learning about the game and that will advance me so fast that i played pokemon like raw i i literally had zero idea how to actually play the game or any of the actual rules i I knew like barely barely any rules i didn't even know how many like pokemon you could have in in play i didn't know the mulligan rules anything and in two and a half weeks of doing that three to one rule i top aided like a 160 person tournament just after playing for two and a half weeks that's just off of pure like card game fundamentals and (laughs) thank you thank you You (laughs) but just like that i was just able to propel myself so much and people would watch my streams and they'd be like like oh yeah like they start talking to me and i was talking to like top, like ranked players in the entire world of pokemon and i would say something like kind of dumb because i was still new i'd be like oh yeah like i don't like um i'd be like a a fundamental rules question i'd be like oh how does like mulligating work or how does this interaction work And they would kinda like ask me like like, Oh, you're joking? And I'm like, Oh no, I've only been playing for two weeks. And they're like, Whoa, like how do you know so much and how are you like so knowledgeable? And it's because like I've been playing for two weeks, but I use three Time, like 75% of my time learning the game, like actually learning instead of playing the game. And it it really shows like top players can really tell the difference. Like you like you might not notice it, but you'll notice it once you start playing against other people that are new. Like if you do that and then you play against someone else and both you play for two weeks, I promise you, you'll be able to see the difference in your style versus their style.
0: Yeah, 100%. And, and the, uh, the other cool part about card games and one of the things that I love about card games is that, if you spend time learning the game learning the concepts like they're going to transfer over to other card games that you play which is i i'm sure like you know helped you with with pokemon exactly that right like you already know core card game strategies and so it's really just learning the intricacies of pokemon learning you know those game specific mulligan rules and things like that it's like you know learning the mechanics but you know inevitability like you said like it's not something new to you like you you already know it and so it's like it helps you in those matchups and and i i mean i it hit me too with hearthstone like i never played hearthstone before july and i went from bronze to legend in like 11 days and um and like i had a 91 95 91 or 95 percent win rate into platinum like i hit plat and i lost eight games (laughs) <laughs> like, i was it was so sick um i mean trust me don't worry karma caught out to me and i lost a shit ton of <laughs> games in diamond like diamond was brutal but um <laughs> um but like yeah it's like you learn if you spend time learning if you really love card games and you and you truly like you know love the love this 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 hobby that we all have take time to learn card game strategies take time to learn a card game really well and like the next one you learn is going to be so much easier like so much easier um and and even like the thing that i keep telling that i tell everyone is like look it's not as hard to switch games as you think it is because they all have the same mechanics but different words it's Mm -hmm. like if you come from magic the gathering and you want to learn lor it's like okay but you know lor doesn't have flying creatures yes they do they're called elusive (laughs) like You know, it's like, like, you know, and, and, you know, LOR cards have, Oh, this thing can block elusive units. Okay. So that's sharp sight. Got it. Like, um, and, and so it's like the same concepts are going to carry over. They're just not going to be called the same thing because they don't want to be like, Oh, you're just ripping off this other card game. And it's like, well, I mean, the, like, there's only so many mechanics a card game can have, like, you got to cut cut people some slack. Right. (laughs) Like, um, so it's like, yeah, flying does exist. It's just called something different. Right. Or, you know, um, the concepts all carry over right like um so um you know overwhelm versus trample like the same thing really Mm -hmm. um and so learn learn one like if you really love this i promise you like the investment that you have that you put into any card game will carry over no matter what card game you play like obviously some things are a little bit different but nine nine out of ten things that you learn will transfer over to other card games Mm -hmm. um which is why you see like players that are able to be top players in multiple card games because they just understand card games at a very core yep. uh fundamental level and and it's easy to like switch between card games as as easily and so um that's where you want to get and again it's, it's easy to do you just gotta put the time in once and then it'll carry over for everything you do after that yeah for sure yep um All right. I think that about wraps it up for episode one of Metaminds. Uh, We will be back next week with episode two. Uh, We're going to be doing this weekly. Next week's episode is going to be about matchups. Not the same conversation, but how do you deal with bad matchups? How do you capitalize on good ones? And we're going to talk about playing to your outs and what that means. So that'll be next week uh, on Metaminds podcast. Thank you so much, everyone, for, for checking us out. Uh, this is going to be released on all of the major podcast platforms, ccghub.gg, ccghub YouTube, you know, Spotify, Apple, you name it, you'll be able to find this podcast. Um, and yeah, let us know what you think. Let us know if there's any topics in card games that you, uh, would like us to cover. We are happy to talk about anything to help you get better at CCGs, TCGs, insert card game here. We want to help you get better at it. Um, and thanks again at CCG hub for sponsoring this podcast and yeah, we will see you all next week. Thanks everyone.